Welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast. We're here to grow in faith, connect in community, and serve the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As many of you know, we're hopeful to call a new pastor to Prince of Peace this year. When discussing the impending vacancy of our youth and family position this past fall, we were reflecting on the challenges that congregations like ours were facing across the country in finding qualified candidates for positions like this, and we couldn't help but notice that we had a pastor in training here that was very energized by her work among our youth we began to discuss if it would be possible to call a pastor into this position and if Pastor Hannah could in fact be a candidate for that call. And I'm pleased to say that this is seeming more and more possible as she's now been assigned to our region this last week, which means that I'm hopeful that we can in fact call a third pastor to Prince of Peace in a few months. I'm also pleased to say that Sarah Moore, a pastor candidate and member of Prince of Peace, is close to receiving her first call. We have a great history here at Prince of Peace of celebrating and encouraging the gifts of women in ministry. In fact, when we were calling the first associate after I came to Prince of Peace, there were a number of people that were disappointed that our candidate was not a female because we'd had two previous associate pastors who were female and everyone loved them and they also then expressed that to Pastor Grant when we had a meeting to introduce him. As he was standing in front of the congregation, someone had best essentially asked him why he couldn't be a woman candidate, which was a little bit of an awkward question to ask. And So Grant was a little dumbfounded, but Dr. Fackler, an OBGYN who was on the call committee, was standing next to him, and he decided to break the tension by saying, well, it's within my skill set to fix that. (laughs) Of course, Grant's eyes got very wide, and he declined the offer, but gratefully he accepted the call. We have a rich history of female leadership here at Prince of Peace, but that was not always the case. In fact, in the first few years of Prince of Peace's existence, there were no female Lutheran clergy. Elizabeth Platts was the first woman ordained into the Lutheran Church of America in 1970. When I was ordained in 1997, 27 years later, more than half of my class were female. And after four years together, I saw no distinction between our abilities as pastors, so I remember being caught off guard one day when talking with a classmate about her prospects for calls in the church, and she had already been told by multiple congregations that she would not be considered for a call simply because she was female. When we read Scripture, we can certainly find the assumed patriarchy of the culture all over the place, a reality that persists in arguably a majority of the globe, yet you hear examples of stories like we did from Sarah Bessie for today, and it begins to open up the gospel story more broadly, and you can begin to pick up on other clues about a deeper narrative. The first people to announce the resurrection were, in fact, women. The women were the ones who stayed when the disciples ran away afraid. 
There's a close connection between Jesus and Mary and Martha and Mary Magdalene. And the importance of Lydia in the success of the evangelism of the book of Acts, just to name a few. These clues and more make me wonder if there wasn't more inclusion and equality of women in the earliest church that was then contracted by the weight of patriarchy moving forward. Which leads me to an even broader point for today's primary story of Abraham and Sarah. The promise for Abraham and Sarah was a lineage as broad and as wide and as numerous as the stars in the sky. This says to me that God was announcing and promising through Sarah and Abraham an expansive vision of God's kingdom in the world. God had this amazingly broad and inclusive vision of who was to be included. And it was humans then that continued to narrow that vision to only a select few. And so what do we then find in Jesus? We find a vision that keeps expanding again. What others had been previously about and who was to be included and who was not. Instead, Jesus comes announcing daughters of Abraham, eating with sinners and lepers and prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, foreigners, believers and doubters. Jesus includes them all at his table of grace. In our reading from Paul's letter to the Romans for today, we read that Abraham's promise is not based on the law. It's not based upon the absolute perfection of his faith. Remember, Abraham first laughs at the promise. But no, Paul tells us that the covenant with Abraham is grounded in grace through faith and nothing more. Instead of all of the hierarchies of the day, Paul makes this radical statement in Galatians that there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. There is no distinction, it all rests on the grace of God. Yet we have to peel back the layers to see this being true in the church because again and again we have turned the inclusion of Jesus into an exclusive club. The good news of Jesus' love for all becomes a weapon of exclusion and condemnation instead. How many people must needlessly die? How many lives must be ruined because we fail to have an imagination broad and generous enough to see the beauty of a more inclusive vision of God's table of grace? As the prophet Isaiah was envisioning what a renewed Jerusalem would look like, he dared to imagine a land where the tent was larger, where there was room for all. In chapter 55, he writes, See, you shall call nations that you do not know. And nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them 
and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. The Lord has more grace, more mercy than we can ever imagine. But the more we can imagine it, the more we can experience it in community together here, the more broad the view of all of the nations and the people that will gather. And then, then our descendants will be more numerous than the stars. At Prince of Peace, one of our commitments is that all means all. We say that this means that God offers the gifts of the Spirit freely to all. And our community is enriched when acceptance, grace, and dignity are extended for every human life. One of my favorite contemporary prophetic pastors, Brian Zand, frames it in this way. He says, instead of contributing to the hateful rhetoric of our ugly age, could the church be a shelter from the storm? Instead of a furrowed brow of disapproval, a clenched fist of anger, a wagging finger of condemnation, could the church present to the world a compassionate countenance of grace? Instead of being sucked into the destructive dualism of reactive people, could the church become a contemplative people seeking to hold all things together in the reconciling love of Christ? Instead of ratcheting up culture war polemics, could the church speak the first words of the risen Christ, peace be with you? If so, we can enact the beauty of Christ in a way that will be conspicuous in an ugly age. And if not, he says, well, then I don't want to think about what happens to the church if it clings to ugliness. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Make Christianity beautiful once again. The vision of Abraham staring into a starry sky with descendants as numerous as the stars is a beautiful vision. May it be our vision as we seek together a world restored with grace and peace. Amen.